0: If you would please, Ephesians chapter 4, 12 to 16. Please, following reading the Word of God. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every kind of doctrine, by trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together, By every joint, supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Father, we come now to hear you. Father, we come now to be filled with your word. Father, to be strengthened, to be built up in unity as one body so that the world will stand in awe. Father, we come now to hear you. Please, Lord, teach us. Christ's name, amen. What we are looking at here in 12 to 16 is coming out of verse 11, 10 and 11, actually. Okay, and it all comes a part of that. We start seeing that the Lord had given, because of his victory... Over sin and death and demons. Because of that victory. He got the spoils. Of the victory. In doing so he gave gifts. To all. But we also saw. That he gave gifted men. To the body of Christ. Which was purchased by the blood of Christ. At the will of God the Father. So we started moving into this. And we started seeing that. We individually, okay, each one of us are being perfected by gifted men. Every one of us. All right. That is what helps us to mature, to be perfected, to grow in what we have. Why? So we can do the work of Ministry of ministry. So it is strengthening of the saints. Listen, there's only one way to strengthen you. Only one way. I can hug you every time I see you. It will not strengthen you. Okay. I can come cut your grass every day. Still won't strengthen you. All right. I can take care of your dog, your cat. Your llama, your alpaca, whatever you got. I'm not taking any care of any more chickens. I have drawn a limit. Okay. And that's I know what a sorry. <laughs> uh, it means I'll be take over a commercial chicken factory. It's the reason in this congregation I teach, and then sometimes I teach, and then other times I teach. And while I'm doing the teaching and teaching and teaching, I'm doing the walking and walking and walking. It's why I do what is called expository preaching. That is why I read the text, I explain the text, I apply the text, and then I repeat. All right? That's for 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. I will keep reminding you until I am dead. And then after I am dead, my words will bounce around between your ears. Even after I'm gone. As the saints mature, they get to serving. They get after the real business. All right? But you shouldn't be getting after the real business until you have some maturity. It's not You don't want to take a newborn baby and have it decide what you should be eating three meals a day. Right? And you definitely don't want teenagers doing it. Yeah, I'm picking on you, so what? That's why Peter says, I will keep reminding. As the saints matures, they will serve. And what I have seen in my 25 years as senior pastor but also as my 35 years in this church i see all of the programs swallow this and they move away from it i am not here to start a ministry i am not here to start a program i am not here to plug in a church growth plan. I am here to instruct you, each of you, in spiritual service. Teach every saint the task of every saint. Why were you given a gift? Then ask yourself, have I opened it? And yet when I see those individuals open those precious gifts and they are faithful, I see it edifying the body of Christ. It strengthens the body of Christ. Every single one of you has a gift and it's for us. It is to strengthen each and every one of us. I call it a process of perfection. Listen, I've seen this. Some of you who have been here a long time, you've seen it. You've seen people come in, get strengthened, and all of a sudden take on tasks. I I remember a kid uh, had just gotten out of college, and he was full of himself. And was a dingbat. I mean, a stinking dingbat. And so I sat with him. Oh. Probably three times a week, maybe four times a week. For five or six years. Encouraging him, showing him. Uh, he had all kinds of information and he was trying to just put it all together to all kind of thing. And it was Egh. And I had to keep cutting through. Sometimes I found myself repeating myself. I was dealing with the same thing I just dealt with. Come on. So he finally got it. He says, I I know that I'm being called to be immersed in the ministry. I said, all right. He said, where should I go to school? I said, there's only two I know of at the time. He said, where's that? I said, you can go to the Masters, California. California we reformed in Mississippi. Only those two. Well, but no. None of the rest of them is going to teach you the Bible. And I said, you have a lot of bits and pieces, but you need to know the Bible. And once you know the Bible, then you, know how, you need to know how to handle it. Because it can be used as a sword, as a rumphi, which is this great big blade that says, Katie, bar the door, I'm swinging. Or it can be used as a machaira. And that's for close, close quarter combat. You can get in good and tight. I know a whole bunch of people can use a rum fi. But the thing I learned about a rum fi is I can take one step back and you missed. If I'm with you on it and I've got the other one, I ain't missing. Okay? We need to, you need, there's times you need to do both. Uh, But what I've learned is the talent is in the Makaira. Okay? Because if you're really good with the Makaira, you can stick them and they don't even know it. And yet Christ is glorified. All right? A kid went to seminary and he teaches... Greek, Old Testament history, and New Testament theology at Tyndale Seminary in the Netherlands. He wanted to be a pastor, and I told him he shouldn't. Don't be a pastor. He said, well, I I think I said, don't be a pastor. You've got the gift of knowledge, and people that can't handle the gift of knowledge. Yeah, but I just, no, I'm just telling you. You know what? Now you think about it. He thought, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a pastor. Then this guy comes up and says, you shouldn't be a pastor? What would be the normal response to that? You, yeah. You know what he said? You've seen it. I agree. And he's a professor. And it's perfect. Because we need some anointed professors. I have seen this happen in this church. I have seen elders that were trained and sent out. We sent one out to the uh, Indian reservation. I got two in the Castle Rock area that are elders in churches. And the pastors hate them. <laughs> I think it's awesome. I can poke you from a distance. That is how the body is built. I, I, do you understand the simplicity the simplicity of our task. When you say our ministry, what is my ministry? Good, let me tell you what it is. It's just simple. You reach, you disciple, and you send. And then you repeat. I reach them, I disciple them, and I send them. That's the goal. I think it's awesome. Because I confuse so easily. Keep it simple. That is why, brothers and sisters, in the 25 years that I have been at the pulpit, and prior to that, eight or nine years earlier in Sunday school teaching, I don't do anything different. Still doing the same thing. We should do what needs to be done. And I just told you, reach, disciple, send. Listen, brothers and sisters, some of you have been with me a long time. And you should be discipling each other. Every one of you should be discipling each other. Okay, but you, each and every one of you should be praying for each other. Also, you each should be ministering your gifts to one another, and you should be teaching one another ain't nobody in this room knows it all. I learn from you, you learn from me, but you should be teaching others and learning from others. You should be praying for others as others prayed for you. it 's not that hard. when it goes in to the individual. It will be fleshed out. It's. It's. it's I was talking about this in Sunday school, Christian counseling or biblical counseling, whatever they call it now. I'm against it. I'm into discipleship. Why? I wonder what that book says. And well, what about counselor? Well, who's the wonderful counselor? And if I know that book, then I know the wonderful counselor. And the other thing is, all of that is is behavior modification. This book says, I want to change your nature. You will be born again. That's when it's fleshed out. People see the difference. That's when the body is strengthened. That is when the church is strengthened. So, there's basically two ways at that spiritual care for the saints. And evangelism. I gave you an illustration a couple of weeks ago. When Peter went into the temple. He preached the gospel. 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 infants in Christ. Who immediately if they were Jewish. Were unemployed. And they were put into the church. Hmm. Would be. A need, won't you think? But you know what Peter had that you and I ain't got? Twelve apostles who had taught 500. So we went back out again, got 5,000 more and brought them in. It's no big deal. Why? I've got teachers. The question I would ask you this morning is that if an infant in Christ stepped forward right now, can you disciple it? If you say yes, I say amen. What happens if 50 step up? I know how that works. Send them to the pastor. (laughs) His office is down there. See what I'm trying to get at? You do not grow numerically unless you are mature. Why would I bring an infant in to a bunch of infants? At some point in time, my great philosopher friend of mine said, You get tired of changing diapers. That is what church growth is. I see churches in this community that are nothing but massive daycares. And I got to be honest with you. (laughs) I don't want that. I don't want a daycare. I want sold out, committed servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Seems sort of selfish, doesn't it? That's what I want. Why? That's what my God wants. To bear much fruit. That's why there is evangelism. I like evangelism. That works for me. But you have to take care of the spiritual care afterwards. So many of them, we'll get them saved and tell them to go read something and we'll catch you later. Listen, if we edify on the inside, if we mature each other, if we edify on the inside, then we will be stronger and we will edify on the outside and that will add to our numbers to be matured. Gifted men guide this process. Okay, now then, I that was the introduction. I was, I was just trying to catch up because I've been gone so long. If you study scriptures, at times you run into different weird things that uh, I never thought I would ever really have a per- need to know these things, but I do. And it's obvious that God had a plan a long time ago, and I. Fall into the plan. There are things in the scripture when you read it in the original text that's called purpose clauses. Okay, there's another thing that is called purpose results. Okay, clause sets up the frame. The purpose results is because of this purpose, this is the result. Okay? That's where we're at. There's five of them in this text. Okay? Five purposes... And they will have this result that is our total picture. Okay? That's what we're looking at 13 to 15. All right? There's five of them. You see the purpose. Okay? You see the result. All right. First one you see right there. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Okay, years and years and years. Do you realize originally there were denominations to signal the unity of the faith? If you were Presbyterian, that means that you were part of the Presbyteros, which were the overseers, what you and I would call elders. But they took it to a different level. They have district Presbyteros who oversee the persibuteroses of the local churches in their districts. Okay. Baptists, but you can't guess what they're focused on, huh? Right. Methodists were based on methods. Okay. But they, you got this because we wanted to show you, if you wanted to be in the method system, then you'd be in a Methodist church. If you wanted to be in the, let's throw everybody in the bathtub system. You'd be in the Baptist church if you wanted to be in and so on and so forth. You see how it works? Okay. Do you realize that that really doesn't produce unity? I have heard this all of my Christian life. Unity, unity, unity. And I have seen something that I could never really put my finger on it over the, about the last, since about January. It hit me. Okay. I hear unity all the time. I hear it across denominational lines, different fellowships. We want to be unified. okay? But you know what I noticed every time? Go check it. You don't believe me. Go check it. That unity is based on compromise. If I can compromise on this, then we can be unified on the rest of this stuff. I was around when the ECT document came out. I don't know if you ever remember it, evangelical Catholics together. And they brought all the brain powers together and they met somewhere down in Florida, I think. And they got down there and they said, you know, with our views on society and abortion and the role of government and helping people and uh, charity and all the rest of it, why aren't the Catholics and evangelicals joined together? And um, <laughs> R.C. Sproul jumped right in the middle of uh, their great apologist and he says, if you don't know the answer to that, what in the world do you have a PhD in? R.C. brother, we're unified. And they said, we can sign this document if you promise not to proselytize Catholics and we won't proselytize evangelicals. The evangelicals walked out. MacArthur looked at him and says, you don't understand. The Catholic Church is our greatest harvest. (laughs) Well, that would make you feel good, wouldn't it? (laughs) You're taking my sheep. Not all of them. See, compromise will not get you unity. It's impossible. Listen, I have seen it. Well, if you hug, act like you like each other hug each other, you know, and when strangers come in say, whoa, they just like each other, look at and they're all just, they just all, they hug each other and, and they all talk to each other they all just sit, sit around and talk, we all talk to each other, we all, oh look at that. that's unity that's unity right there, man and I've heard it says that if you're very affectionate with one another in the congregation you will draw people you also need to draw people That like the same things. Because you can unify on the same things. I remember years ago we had a group of us here that would hunt every year. And we were gone hunting. There was about eight or nine of us went hunting for a week. And we came back and I had to preach. And I told somebody that we'd been hunting. I had people leave the church because you're killing Bambi. And I had to tell them, I said, there's a reason they call it hunting and not finding. <laughs> Maybe we should just run the troublemakers off. And people who are nitpicking everything. Listen, let me explain something about the unity of the body of Christ. Okay? You may be shocked. It is not relational. Okay? The unity in the body of Christ is not based on relationship. All right, it is not emotional. Okay, unity in the body of Christ has one key foundation. You know what it is? Theology. 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 Who is God? That is what your unity is going to be based on. Your unity will be based on the study of Him. Who is He? That is the unity of the faith that the Apostle Paul is sharing here. The person of God. Who is He? Not who do you think He is. Who is He based on His Word? That one. You've heard the joke. God created us in His image. And we return the favor. The unity is based on the content of the gospel. Most people think the gospel is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The gospel is Genesis to Revelations. That's the good news. Part of the problem with our good news today, you don't understand you have to get the bad news first. Because if you don't know what the bad news is, the good news doesn't mean anything to you. That's why I see grace so cheapened today. Why? I've asked people what'd you get saved from? Well no. You should figure that out. There is nothing that makes unity based around the truth more than maturity. Listen, you put a group of spiritual fathers together, it will knock your socks off. Because they will draw upon the word of God and say, let us reason together from the scripture. Interesting. An interesting concept. I have been accused of so much, but never to my face. Why? Why? Because I will challenge them on the scriptures. And if you don't know the scriptures, do you want that challenge? Nah. Because it will expose me for not knowing the scriptures. You know what that is, right? Bride. And I know I don't know a lot about this thing. I mean i i you listen and deuteronomy's one that drives me nuts because you got these you're going all of these places, and I don't know where they are when they tell me they're going to the Jordan, I know where the Jordan is, but I, I don't know you know and it, you know no wonder you guys wandered around forty years lost. You didn't have a map either. This, brothers and sisters, this is as critical as it gets in the church. You can get by with team building. You can get by with fellowship time in business. You cannot get by with that in church. Ain't going to happen. Ain't gonna happen. I've been in this church long enough to watch it. I've seen this place blow up. I don't even, I've lost count. And it's all based on the same thing. Infants. Infants bear fruit of carnality. When they bear fruit of carnality, you're telling me I don't know that much about God. And that carnality causes the disunity, the division, the discourse of the church. And it happens, and it happens, and it happens, and it happens. Mature saints who understand the faith are all committed to the faith. They all love the faith, and they all live the faith, and they all have a commonness. And if I go deer hunting, you don't care. That's irrelevant. I don't do that anymore. Everybody I deer hunted with died. And I don't want to tempt the Lord my God. <laughs> I ain't going. But if anybody finds some spare elk meat and they don't have anything to do with it, I'm in. <laughs> just Just a note. As we mature in the faith, as we do the work of ministry, then guess what happens to the body? It gets stronger. And the body united, the body dynamic all comes together in oneness. And you can't divide that. There will be a unity That is miraculous. Remember what he said in verses 1 to 3 of chapter 4? I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you, I beg you, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. What is that calling, Paul? In all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent. Being diligent. You know what that means, right? Diligent. To preserve. You know what that means, right? It's already there. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So you see what chapter 4 is for. And you see why, why we are where we are in understanding that gifted men are teaching us this stuff so that we will be one in the faith. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace is under the unity of the faith. We all have the same faith. If we are to know the unity in the church, then we have to follow this pattern. There isn't a plan B. The perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry, building up the body, that's where you will find the real unity. That is walking worthy of your calling. There can never be unity in a church without doctrinal integrity. Okay? Hey, I I know churches right now that believe in evolution. But about half the congregation thinks they're wrong. How in the world do you get unity out of that? Because I talked to the pastor. He says, well, I can see where they can come up with evolution. I said, I got one question for you what's that? Why did Jesus believe it was seven days? By the way, did you know he was there? That means he could have counted them. Well, that's not an issue that... Well, listen. If God can't figure out how creation got started, how do you know the salvation message is right? Perfecting the saints is my job, my process. For the work of ministry is your process. For the building of the body is our process. And then one day we'll turn around and look at each other and go, wow, man. Do you realize how unified we are? There can never be unity in the church without doctrinal integrity. Okay? There can be unity, but it won't be true. There'll never be unity in the saints without doctrine. There'll never be unity of the faith without doctrine. And apart from solid doctrinal understanding, there is no unity. I mean, you can put up with each other. You just smile while I just disagree. Do you realize how silly that is? If you disagree with me, come see me. Okay? And let us sit down and reason together. Because if you think I just walk up here because, oh, whoa, this would be a good idea, then you guys don't know me. You don't know me. Listen, I learned this a long time ago. I've been through some battles. I remember the first sermon I preached, and it was this pulpit, but it was downtown first sermon i preached the elders had said our pastor had gone to arizona and they said what are you studying and i said first uh, peter they said well would you teach first peter until we find a pastor I said, sure okay whatever i said i don't know how to preach or nothing he says well just tell us what you learned all right so i poured myself out for the people that was there and at that time, our building was downtown, and you walk through the pews to the back door, and you shake everybody's hand on the way out. That's that Baptist thing you're supposed to do there. Act like you like somebody. <laughs> I never did figure out what that was for. But I don't know. Because there was a couple times, man, I just run and hit it, and the car's right out there. Uh, but uh, I st- first sermon I ever preached, first one, I stepped down And this guy steps out of the pew, sticks his finger in my face, and cusses me. And I was like, wow. (laughs) I messed that up. Hank later told me, he says, I knew you were called to preach. And I was like, Hank, why don't you stay on the ranch? But anyway. (laughs) He says, You didn't bat an eye. I said, No, it's shock. Okay, that's stuff to you. You know, I learned from, you know, that this church has never made me their pastor. They were going to have a vote and we showed up for the vote. And there were all kinds of people there that I ain't never seen before in my life who said they were members of this church. And it was going downhill fast. And I was like, wow, man, I'll go back to pulling wire. (laughs) And they called the meeting, and they never rescheduled a meeting. (laughs) I was like, wow, that's interesting. But you know what? I learned from that. Without the unity of the faith in doctrinal integrity, you can't get through that stuff. can't do it. So I'm still your interim pastor. (laughs) 25 years. I wish Hank and them would find somebody. (laughs) I'll be seeing him next week. Hey, man, (laughs) you're slow. But anyway, just kidding. Here's something that I learned. We must agree about Christ before we can agree in Christ. Do you get that? We must agree about Christ before we can agree in Christ. And let's be realistic. What is the church? It's the body of Christ. If we're going to have unity, then what? We better agree about Christ. That is the unity of the faith the Apostle Paul is teaching us right here. Should be all of our desires... That the church be one. Oneness. You've seen that since we stepped into chapter 4. It's When you see that oneness, it is a wonderful gift. I can't even describe it. I have had opportunities in, in, in my life to be around some amazing men of God in some unique situations. And there was an absolute oneness. And I mean, one of the guys was Presbyterian. One of the guys was Church of the Brethren. And I mean, there was non-denominational, whatever that is. And you just, we're a Bible church. And I thought, aren't all churches? (laughs) But anyway, but I just go through all of that. And I remember being around this several different times. I've been around this large groups. And you're just sitting there going, this is amazing. I taught the first time I taught in Baku, Azerbaijan. I taught every pastor in the country 23 of them. There were charismatics, there were Pentecostal, there were Presbyterian, there were Baptists, there was non affiliated. They were all there. And I taught Romans. Tell me that ain't a controversial book. Because I can deal with spiritual gifts? Yeah! Okay, I can deal with predestination. Whoa, everybody loves that. I get to deal with all of it. And you know what? Absolute unity when I left. You know why? They knew I wasn't bringing an American teaching to him. I was bringing the word of God to him. My dear friend, Stephen Olfer, he is in glory. Where are all my friends in glory? Anyway, he's in glory. He preached on every continent on the globe except Antarctica. And he believed that the penguins were already saved. But he had preached on every you know what? His message never changed. What he told the Easterners, he told the Africans, he told the Europeans, he told the Far East, the Near East, the Middle East, he, the message is all the same. You don't tailor it to, well, the society says, the society's going to hell. The society doesn't know it's going to hell. You should tell them. Do it in love. Do you know you're going to hell? <laughs> Never mind. We'll move on. This is a wonderful spirit. There's a word in the Greek that I learned a long time ago Koinonia. I remember years ago there was a church and they had Koinonia groups. And they would have these little places, these houses, and that you'd be placed into a Koinonia group. It was, And the word is translated fellowship. And you'd go to Billy Bob's house and, and, and eat pizza, and you'd go over here, and you'd have hamburgers, and it, and you know. So sometimes the Koinonia group would be Sunday afternoon because the Broncos are playing, and you'd have all these little groups. Okay, what I learned was, who's the teacher? Second, are they a gifted teacher? Because you know what those Koinonia groups did? They blew up the church. Okay? That was bizarre to me. These are supposed to be... Well, that group... You need to go over his group because they all like to hunt. There's some solid theology in that somewhere. I just haven't gotten it. If you're basing your unity on the things you like, how many of you like loud motorcycles? You can be in my koinonia group. Okay See, that's silly. I mean, who likes fast cars? Well, sir, I prefer slow cars. What's the matter with you? Repent. There should be no legal limit to horsepower. How is your theology? You see what I'm trying to get at? If I'm dealing with the eternal destiny of people, why would I... Well, do you like dogs? Actually, I'm a cat guy. Well, what's the matter with you? Well, they have nine lives. See? Of course, I got a dog who won't shut the door. She'll open the door. She won't shut it. I sit down and had heart-to-hearts with her. Listen, I, I want you to understand this. Our unity cannot be based on, well, I have more of a white-collar congregation. What? You think I'm kidding you? We've got a homeschool church. What the heck is that? What is that? You're unified because you homeschool? No, you're not. I guarantee it. I've seen it. Well, we have white collar. We have blue collar. Listen, the largest, I've been at two churches, massive churches. One in Memphis, Tennessee, and one uh, in Panorama City, California. Okay? And uh, the one in Memphis, Memphis, they run on their Sunday morning service about 45,000 people. You set up in this balcony. I went there on a Wednesday night and there was almost 3,000. On a Wednesday night. And I remember setting up in this balcony and they've got this thing that looked like the drive-in movie screen that you could see the dude. Because when you looked at his pulpit, he was about that tall. And so you see him up on the screen, and of course it was amplified, and, and you can hear him. And I looked around, there were Orientals, there were blacks, there were white, there were people that looked like they were dirt poor, and they looked like people who were driving Rolls Royces, and they were all in the same congregation. I seen the same thing when I was out in, in California. Not to that degree, eight to 10,000. And you just look around, they had handicapped people, they had people there that you're sitting there going, I don't think that they can hear. I don't think they have any communications. But they asked to be baptized. So they heard something. But you didn't base the church on, well, we are going to reach this demographic group. Oh, well, that's silly. I was talking to our friends that was here last week. You guys remember Todd's? Their church just or their church just bought some a building and property. Uh, next to those two major highways, is an old daycare. Huge, they bought it, $185,000. They, they bought it. They're going to have to do a lot of work on it. And I said, well, you bought it because of the access and everything? He said, nope. He says the elders of the church bought it because it backs up to a residential community that is far below the poverty line. And those people need hope. See that going on around here? See the difference? When you are unified in doctrine, then it is supernatural and the other stuff doesn't bother you. I had a friend, I used to go to the Shepherds Conference and it's always the first week of March. And what I went, there was a number of reasons I went, but one of the reasons I went, I realized whatever goofy thing was coming down the Pike was about six months from me, from California. So whatever they would be dealing with in March, you know, I'd see it in the fall. So you you kind of get ready, here it comes. It's not that way anymore. I think some of the goofy stuff starts here and goes out. (laughs) But anyway, that's a minor thing. But I remember going out there one time, A guy that I admire, amazing mind. And this is a big church. But at the time, the Shepherds Conference was limited to 400 guys. And so, you know, you got really intimate talks with it. So I was talking to the president of the seminary. And we were just talking about different things. And and he was a graduate of Ohio State. and Anyway, we had a lot in common. No, I didn't graduate from Ohio State. I played on the campus. <laughs> that's why, when this, what's the church campus, like? campus is a bad word for me man, <laughs> but anyway, and he said that they had a lady who came in was looking for a church, and it was during the week, and, and and there wasn't nobody there so it got his task. he says, well I'll take you in I'll show you our worship center so they opened it up the door and they walk in, there's nobody in there, nobody in there just a few of the back lights on is all the rest of it, and he says all of a sudden this lady breaks down crying He he said, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's the matter? She says, I sense tremendous unity and fellowship here, and it's staggering me. And Dick looked around and said, You know, the place is empty. He says, But it's here. And so they left. So I looked at him and I said, What was that? He smiled at me real big and said, I don't know. She never did come back. Now, I look at that and think that's kind of crazy. But I had a lady come here and do it. And I was like, Dick, what have you done? But see, you get that kind of stuff. How do you be unified in that? I've got more I could tell you. I've had people ask for membership here. And one of the things I do is said, tell me how you're saved. How you know you're saved. And what they told me was, oh, I remember when the elders were sitting down one time and this lady told us a story and the elders all looked at me and said, well, Terry, what do you think? And I was like, oh, he just threw me under the bus. <laughs> and we didn't let her join. I have no idea what that was. Listen, if a person says there's a pink elephant in their living room, you ain't going to talk them out of it. But I know that Jesus don't show up dark. Just, just an idea. People want oneness and they will compromise just about anything to get that oneness and when you find that oneness that is supernatural it's overpowering because the spirit of oneness is the bond of peace and it is given to every child of God as long as they are in a fellowship fellowship Koinonia can only exist in sound doctrine. Now listen, I know right now that I can just take this small group and there's different levels of doctrine and uh, and understanding. Okay? I understand that. Okay? I don't have any problem with that. But your level of understanding had better come to mine. Because if you're at this level... Then you should be heading to this level, to this level, to this level. If someone is at this level, he's already been at this level, so he would agree with you. Okay? But there may be some more in between there that you haven't got the parts put together for. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. We all come through. We're all kind of going up them steps. Listen, I told you years ago, we had a bunch of, we'll call them outdoorsmen, okay? And they were very interactive, but I mean, their wives were, everybody was very interactive. I mean, we'd do a little weekend fishing thing, we'd go do this, we'd go do that, but when the trials and the tribulations of this life hit. They couldn't stand. And it all fell apart. It all fell apart. Because the unity was based on what? Temporal. Temporal. My relationship is based on eternal. And you can only have that. The unity of the person of Christ. Any other effort for unity is superficial. And if you don't have a unity of the faith, you know what? you got nothing. you got nothing. I've seen it be unified. Hey, there's a group that wants me to go, uh, what do they call it, a church in the wind. They ride around on Sunday and worship Jesus. What? Can you hear him better? How does that work? I, I, but, well, that's, you know, that's what we do. We're, we all ride motorcycles, and that therefore we are, what? You're a bunch of guys that don't want to go to church. I, no, uh-uh. I ain't do, uh there's a Christian Motorcycles Association, they always want me to up, go up to Sturgis for bike week. I don't go, I ain't going up there. Well, oh, but there's all of these souls that these harvest. that's not been Sturgis, saved and lost. When you're lost, you ain't looking for Jesus unless you mess the corner coming down out of Deadwood. Then you're looking for Jesus. But until that time, you ain't looking for nothing because you've already found it. No, there's nothing wrong. You want to ride a motorcycle, ride a motorcycle. You want to drive a convertible, drive a... You want to ride a horse... Go see my wife. <laughs> I don't want no part of that. Uh, but I don't but you know, I don't care. I do care about the integrity of doctrine. Did you guys ever guess that? In case you didn't. Man. Now you know, huh? Because I know that there is the unity of the person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay? So the first purpose result of these gifted men in our lives is to bring us to the unity of the faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. This is what draws us and strengthens us and propels us. So, Father, I pray for this congregation. I pray for those who ain't here. Uh, Lord, uh, that you'll strengthen them for the task that is at hand. Grow them, Lord, in uh, In your glory and your praise, Father, may each of our lives walk in a manner worthy to bring glory, honor to the King of kings and Lord of lords. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Father, even now, we thank you. Christ's name, amen.